Preface of Ideala. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Amy Vandenberg. Ideala by Sarah Grand. Preface. You will ask me, perhaps, even you who are all charity, why parts of this book are what they are. I can only answer with another question. Why are we what we are? But I warn you that it would not be fair to take any of Ideala's opinions here given as final. Much of what she thought was the mere effervescence of a strong mind in a state of fermentation, a mind passing successively through the three stages of the process. Vinous, alcoholic or excitable stage, the acetous, jaundiced or embittered stage, and the putrefactive, or unwholesome stage, and also embodying at different times the characteristics of all three. But, even during its worst phase, it was an earnest mind, seeking the truth diligently, and not to be blamed for stumbling upon good and bad together by the way. It is, in fact, not a perfect but a transitional state which I offer for your consideration, a state which has its repulsive features, but which, it may be hoped, would result in a beautiful deposit, when at last the inevitable effervescence had subsided. But why exhibit the details of the process, you may ask? To encourage others, of course. What help is there in the contemplation of perfection ready-made? It only disheartens us. We should lay down our arms, we should struggle no longer, we should be hopeless, despairing, reckless, if we never had a glimpse of growth, of those stepping-stones of their dead selves, upon which men mount to higher things. The imperfections must be studied, because it is only from the details of the process that anything can be learned. Putting aside the people who criticize, not with a view to mending matters, but because a low desire, not to seem lowest, makes them level all. The people who judge, who condemn, who have no mercy on any faults and failings but their own, and who, if they find some stain or blemish in a name of note, not grieving that their greatest are so small, inflate themselves with some insane delight, and would ostracize a neighbor for the first offense by ruling that one mistake must mar a life, anybody's life but their own, of course who have no peace in themselves, no habit of sweet thought, whose lives are one long agony of excitement, objection, envy, hate, and unrest, the decently clad devils of society, who may be known by their eternal carping, and who are already in torment, and doing their utmost to drag others after them, putting them aside, as any one may who has the courage to face them, for they are terrible cowards, and taking the best of us, and the best intentioned among us, we find that all are apt to make some one trait in the characters, some one trick in the manners, some one incident in the lives of people we meet the text of an objection to the whole person. And a state of objection is a miserable state, and a dangerous one, because it stops our growth by robbing us of half our power to love, in which lies all our strength, and which, with the delight of being loved, is the one thing worth living for. When we know in ourselves that love is heaven and hate is hell, and all the intervals of like and dislike are antechambers to either, we possess the key to joy and sorrow, by which alone we can maintain to the mystery that may not be mentioned here, but beyond which ecstasy awaits us. This is why such details are necessary. Doctors spiritual must face the horrors of the dissecting room, and learn before they can cure or teach, and even we, poor feeble creatures, who have no strength, however great our desire, to do either, can help at least a little, by not hindering. If we attend to our own mental health, which we shall do all the better for knowing something of our moral anatomy, and the diseases to which it is liable. We hate and despise in our ignorance, and grow weak, but love and pity thrive on knowledge, and to love and pity we owe all the beauty of life and all our highest power. 
it is that life of custom and accident in which many of us pass much of our time in this world that life in which we do what we have not purposed and speak what we do not mean and assent to what we do not understand that life which is overlaid by the weight of things external to it and is moulded by them instead of assimilating them that which instead of growing and blossoming under any wholesome dew is crystallized over with it as with hoar-frost and becomes to the true life what an aborescence is to a tree a candied agglomeration of thoughts and habits foreign to it brittle obstinate and icy which can neither bend nor grow but must be crushed and broken to bits if it stands in our way all men are liable to be in some degree frost-bitten in this sort all are partly encumbered and crusted over with idle matter only if they have real life in them they are always breaking the spark away in noble rents until it becomes like the black strips upon the birch tree only a witness of their own inward strength end of preface